Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Hello everybody, Anonymous Andrew here with you again and today I have a very special guest for you. Today we're joined by Felicity Nicole. And Felicity Nicole is a life coach, but she's much more than that. She's a writer, author, a brand owner, and a healer. And she just uh, released a book, Pieces of Me. Felicity, good afternoon. I love it. Thank you for having me, Andrew. You're welcome. My pleasure. Um, your book was just released. Uh, today is June 3rd, and your book was released just a few days ago. Congratulations. You know, May 30th. This has been a 10-year project. Wow. Wow. Been 10 years, yes. And then you include the, yes. Tell us about is, it. Yeah, tell us so, about it. Yes, this is a, I am a childhood trauma domestic violence survivor. Okay. I witnessed my, yeah, I witnessed my father at the age of 10 attempt to kill my mom. Um, when he was around, he was either stoned or abusing somebody. Um, it was just a chaotic, toxic, highly dysfunctional family where after that moment happened, where my dad tried to kill my mom, he vanished for 12 years. And my mom was left to raise three of us. My sister's 11 years older. So she was pretty much on her own. So she shut down and I don't blame her. She shut down mentally and emotionally. I mean, that was a lot to cope with. And so us three kids, we had to fend for ourselves and develop our own coping mechanisms and survival skills. I've been I've been in survivor mode for the majority of my life. I don't know what that comfort level of peace means. If you understand what I'm talking about. I do, I do. Yes, yeah. So um, we had just a toxic upbringing. The way we functioned was not well and we were created, meaning family systems, all families have a system. So whether they thrive and they celebrate and they help one another to grow, or in case of their situations like mine, my family system was one where uh, they were given roles to play. My role was the one that wasn't going to go anywhere. It's mm. just wheezy. It's just Felicity. She's just not going to go up to high school where the guidance counselors are telling me this, like, you're not going to go anywhere. It's just up to the point to where I defiantly wanted to repeat my mom's pattern. And I speak about that too, in the book about generational trauma and repeating patterns. I defiantly dropped out of high school just, just to like, push that boundary for somebody to wake up and say like, okay, what's going on here? She needs help. But that wasn't really something we did back in the eighties and nineties, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't really 
talk therapy a lot like we nope. do now. Yeah. And you, you don't, nobody said anything. They just expected that out of me. And so I managed to figure out by just watching my friends carry on their life to put my pieces back together, finish my high school degree, head on to college. Things are going really good for me, Andrew. I'm loving the veterinary industry, working in that, working on some degrees. And then I meet Dan, my ex-husband. And kaboom, within two months, I was pregnant with Evan. I was 28 or 29, um, still living at home with my mom. And she looked at me and she's like, get, get out, go. I know. And I'm like, I don't, don't know him that well. I don't know if I want to marry him or live with him, but I felt like I had no other obligation, but to. And so I walked into an 11 year marriage where there were some good times at the core at the core, he was a hardcore, he is a hardcore alcoholic. I don't know what stage of the game he is in. At the core, they're good people. They just want to hurt themselves, right? So I walked into this and I had to try and create and maintain some sort of family life. And by doing that, I, I protected my son a lot. And watching an alcoholic um, just slowly decline. I mean, there were points where I, he was institutionalized. There were points where uh, he was burning himself. There were points where, you know, my son and I would have to leave at night. My mom and dad, that they were my safe house because it would get too abusive because he was too drunk. And that was what we would do. I would just sweep my son up and go to my mom's house until things simmered down. And it might be a day or two and come back. But when you're married to an abuser, there's a cycle that happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're, we're familiar with this cycle. There's that, there's that abusive breakup. I don't want you in my life. He's throwing my clothes out in the middle of the winter storm. I'm packing my son up, grabbing my clothes from the, from the snow in Chicago, going to my mom's house mm -hmm. to the, I can't live without you. That honeymoon, you know, so just totally, it was a cycle. And I didn't realize that until probably towards the end of the marriage that this was a cycle of abuse. Yeah. And I knew that when my mom died in 2013, that I had to figure out some sort of plan because if I didn't, I know I would have wound up dead. And there are a lot of women out there that don't have the courage and bravery to leave because they totally tear you apart mentally. Yes, they do. Uh, there's, there's financial control. I had no access to money. And when I did work, he took my money. I had to work for another veterinary clinic under the table just to gather cash. And I made my plan. I found a home to rent. Uh, my family knew, my son did not know. And in the middle of a snowstorm, I grabbed my seven-year-old. I remember just crying. I was so scared. I was unsure if I was going to be able to do this, the courageous part of me. And I paid the movers and I had $45 to my name. And I did it. I broke free. And there's that sense of peace right there. Because I remember at night, that first night in that house, I was able to sleep and sleep really well because I, did, I knew I didn't have to wake up to a six foot three drunk man just staring over me, hovering over me. 
I've had to tell, I've had to talk myself, like what's going on, Dan, like talk them down. You understand what we talk them down because mm-hmm. they escalate. And I'm like, Dan, what's going on here? I'm really good at, I could have been a hostage negotiator because I've <laughs> negotiated my life many a times as you will read in the book. But I had to negotiate. What's going on, hon? What, what are you feeling? Why are you, and he's angry. I can't stand you. Oh, I understand that. I, I, I get it completely. We'll be, you know, I, I just reiterating that I got away, rebuilt my life. That's the first pivotal point of transformation for me. And I am exactly where I wanted to be about 13 years ago. And what I speak about in the book is there's generational trauma and there's repeating patterns. Generational trauma is in your DNA. So we constantly will repeat these, repeat these, repeat these patterns and these traumas until somebody breaks these. The repeating pattern is I was repeating my mom's life. So I dropped out of high school, just like my mom did. Okay. She was pregnant with my sister though. And then I fell into the hands of an abuser, just like my mom did with my dad. So there's that repeating pattern. I figured it out just by doing the work that I broke that generational trauma. We no longer have to live like that. We don't have to function like that. We can thrive through a lot of therapy for my son and I, and just create a life of abundance and simplicity because it doesn't have to be extravagant and create a life that's safe and uh, has healthy boundaries. And it's interesting because in my story, I, I witnessed, you know, my dad attempt to kill my mom at the age of 10. Ouch. I know only to, and this is where it gets really bizarre, only to see him. And this is where we get spiritual, have redemption come into play because he worked for the railroad full-time job, but in the evening, he was an enforcer for the Spanish mafia. So he had blood on his hands. And he, I remember the phone call. He called my mom and he said, Anita, I think I did it. I think this is it. I think I'm done. I think they're after me. And she's like, well, Michael, I don't know what to tell you, you know? And that was one of the things I learned in my father's rebirth was he moved back towards us he tried to make it right with my mom as best as he could because he knows he knew in his heart he did wrong um and he got to live his life out because he died of liver cancer but i mean he got to live his life out and enjoy his grandkids and go to church and and enjoy his kids because i don't remember a dad when i was little i didn't have those moments my brothers didn't have those moments but my grand, but the grandchildren do. They remember Grandpa Mike. Grandpa Mike was fun. My son will still say, I remember Grandpa Mike because he would always bring me a milkshake. Mm-hmm. My dad got to enjoy that. And I speak about that in the book, that God gives everybody a second chance. It's if you're willing to take it or not. And so for my dad, he took it. And he had it. And he lived it. And when he came the time for his death, 
in February of 2013, he had a long 72-hour intense death. I think he had a lot of people he had to he had to face, mm. in my personal opinion, before he crossed over. Um, but I walked away and I learned, wow, that's what redemption is. That's what a second chance is. God gives people second chances. He gave me a second chance. He gave my ex-husband a second chance. And, um, you know, maybe he's doing it right this time. I don't know. Um, my mom would die three months later, right after my dad. She would be diagnosed with uh, lung cancer and congestive heart failure. She chose to not treat it, wrapped up everything, and passed away a week after her 65th birthday. So I speak of a lot of abandonment because my story, there's a lot of abandonment. My mom abandoned us as, as kids when we were little. There was no emotional support there. There was no system, no no family system. We kind of had to survive on our own. Um, as an adult, there was no um, emotional support there. I just kind of figured out life by the grace of God, by going to college and, and working really hard. Um, and she abandoned me again when I had my son. I mean, that's one of the most beautiful moments. I think as a woman, we get to celebrate, right? We celebrate women being pregnant and grandchildren. And I didn't have any of that. I, she turned her back on me. I was living with a man that I really didn't know that I was starting to see red flags of um, unhealthy patterns and um, really a lot of drinking. And I just tried to make the best of it. And only for her to, once again, you know, just turn her back on us. It's that repeating pattern. Yeah. Yeah. As you're describing or, or telling the story, of course, um, as I mentioned earlier to you and the audience knows, I'm an alcoholic in recovery. And 15, 20 years ago uh, or, or longer, I um, was probably like your um, ex-husband. Um, it, it, it's, uh, I was going to ask you, mm -hmm. usually an alcoholic has an underlying issue, um, some I'm sort bored. of, yeah, like a mood disorder could be anything from bipolar to anxiety, depression, any number of borderline personality. Did he, do you know if he, was he ever diagnosed or did he have an so underlying Yep. So there was uh there's a point in the book that I discussed that I come home from work on a Saturday and he comes home right after me with my son, who's probably about three. And I'm like, whoa, you're drunk. And it's like four in the afternoon. So I happened to call my mother-in-law and ask, like, you didn't notice like he was just anyway, he was that drunk. Long story short, he was kicking him back hardcore. And I went outside just to kind of check on him. And he was burning himself with cigarettes all over put down his legs. And I just, as a DM, what's going on? Talk to me. And he couldn't talk to me. He says, this is, makes me feel good. And I said, I understand. And he says, I, he handed me over a cigarette butt and he goes, I want you to do it. And I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. He said, I won't do that. But how about we get you some help? And he said, no. And so I called his parents over. And this would be about a four hour 
back and forth. And his parents are PhD nurse practitioners. In fact, his dad worked in the psych ward for a long time. So we did a lot of back and forth. And it finally took the moment of where he took a BB gun and just shot his legs up. And then to, just, he, I, nobody could call 911. I, and I asked, so I finally had to call 911. And he was hospitalized for a week. And he was diagnosed with bipolar. And I remember the doctor saying, you know, I'm not really concerned about your husband. I'm concerned about your son. Your son, this is hereditary. You've got alcoholism and substance abuse on both sides, on my side and dad's side. So I'm concerned about him. Knock on wood, knock on wood, by the grace of God, we're okay. But um, that's the reality of it. He stayed there for a week. He came home and things were, were fine. Things were good. But the non-drinking Dan, and maybe you could relate to this, Andrew, was like a stick in the mud. Just like unable to talk, unable to function, just very quiet, very odd. I'm assuming he's dealing with his emotions. So you really just hold space for that. And I think it took uh, the neighborhood during the summer, all the dads standing outside drinking beers while all our kids playing. I know. And he was sober for a while and he cracked one back and, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm just curious. He got when he was released from the hospital. Number one, did they give him medication? Number two, did he go to a twelve-step program or or seek support for the for the drinking? Or uh, he didn't do a twelve-step program, and he did not like the way he felt on the on meds. the meds. Yeah, that's very common. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I went to um, uh, AA for. Being, what is that called? Al-Anon. Al-Anon. Yes. So I did Al-Anon uh, for a while and that helped me understand everything. But in the long-term scope of things, I knew I had to get out. Yeah. No. It was just a matter of how, because I did as much as I could to protect my son from witnessing that stuff, the behavior, the up and down, the up and down the stairs to grab a beer the just and to this day if i hear a glass bottle clink in a garbage can it's very triggering for me yeah i, can yeah. So I, mean, I yeah, yeah i just i, I can't I, I can't i've got complex ptsd and i've gone through intense therapy and stuff like that to have that just coexist around me but um yeah that's that's my story and to rebuild my life and to transform my life. And when I speak of transformation, Andrew, it all starts with the inside and then everything else just falls into place. And that's right. where I say, you, you have to trust God because I thought I was golden when I left and I was on my own. Man, did he have obstacles for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> smokes. Oh my God, I got the chills. I am a three job, single mom working the night shift at an emergency clinic, working a $9 an hour clinic job here, working under the table for this guy doing some Reiki work 
on my on my off time only to lose a job to get fired and I'm like get fired I've worked in this industry for 22 years I'm like how can you fire me Mm -hmm. my reputation like seriously you know that for whatever reason she and that but so here I am am I gonna go back right is she gonna go back that's everybody was putting money on it is she gonna be able to do this is she gonna be able to do this and I did it I opened up my Google page and I just said, Reiki practitioner, coach, you know, open nine to five, whatever. My cookie jar was filled. It was filled. But I'm telling you, when you're going through that transformational part of your journey to rebuild yourself, it's a long, hard, Mm -hmm. dark path. And it takes a lot of perseverance, strength, and courage because you are literally like in the dark, maybe with a candle and you don't see the end of the tunnel. You just got to have faith, faith in God. Yeah. Felicity, you are, you are telling my story from, uh, I, I, I could relate to so much of what your husband went through. I, and my audience, I, I don't talk about this. Um, the reason I got sober was that I was in a relationship with what I thought then was my soulmate, but I was drinking around the clock and we were engaged. And she said to me one day, I'm not going, her father was an alcoholic also, but he was in recovery 20 something years sober. And she said to me, I'm not going to marry my father. So either you sober up or get out. And of course I, as you well know, and everybody must know an alcoholic or, or whatever, a person with an addiction is not going to stop unless they truly want to inside. We were talking before about smoking mm-hmm. and um, I pretended to stop. Of course, an alcoholic is very insidious and the disease is insidious. So I made her think that I stopped, but of course I didn't stop. And she ended up throwing me out of her house and locked me out and got a restraining order, yada, yada. And that got me to get sober. And, um, and what's interesting was that I also had sobriety back in the 90s and I relapsed and was out for 15 years. And I somehow, by the grace of God, made it back into the rooms of the 12 steps. Um, you talked about God giving people second chances. Um, I, this is my second chance. And as my story goes, I've had a tumultuous eight years of sobriety. I'm trying to still find that my footing. And uh, in, just in my case, I feel like I'm running out of time. I, I'm, I'm 63 and I'm, when am I going to get this right? Yes, I'm sober, but I'm still struggling with relationships. And so I, 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 I give you kudos to, to not only get out of what the situation you were in, but be, to persevere and, and become who you are today. Tell us us about when, where that transformation started. So you, you left Mike. Yes. I started during the marriage because they tear out of your head that you're incapable of living on your own. So I had to, yeah. yeah. So I would do affirmations when he wasn't home. Like I had to build up the courage just to leave. Um, And then 
I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to write the book once when I started once when my mom passed away. I wanted to publish this because I knew I had a story in here. I knew that. God put me on this road for a specific reason. And I'm meant to teach this to people. Why? I At this day, I still don't know. (laughs) But it's meant to, it's going to connect to somebody. Um, And maybe it's, and maybe it, it it's the addicted world. You know what I mean? It, maybe it's the people that are lacking faith and, and spirituality in their life. Maybe it's the people that are living just unhealthy lives or just are unsure of who they are because that happens. Because you do, you have to redesign yourself. You have to figure out who you are, what your values are, what your ethics are, what your core values are, what, what you believe in, what type of family you want and I built this out and you know I even talk about current status quo husband this marriage hasn't been easy there's been a lot of infidelity in this marriage not on my part but so there's been yes and it's in it just it's in the book Hmm. there's been yes so How, how did you how this I I need to know how do you how did you deal with that infidelity uh, therapy so everybody operates we operate we operate everybody's operating think of circles around everybody how we respond to people how we interact with people and how we operate and why we operate was back down to our childhood and the generational trauma we talk about so in circumstances like this we have a man a gentleman, and I'm just going to, I don't want to speak about my husband. Um, I'm just going to put a gentleman General. that has to feed his ego through infidelity. So why is he feeding his ego through infidelity? There's a deeper wound there that goes down to the eight-year-old child that wasn't given enough love from his mother. That, yes, and I can see it. Um, I've coached him on it a little bit. I can hold space, uh, hold space for him to go through it. I have completely forgiven him for it. You know, uh, whether or not we will be married in the future, that's up to God. As of right now, um, he's getting his second chance, Andrew. Andrew, he's getting his second chance. He's 63. He was married before for 25 years. He was addicted to women and drugs. Yes, yes. I, yeah, I, what, so what did I fall into? I was a wounded woman that fell into the man that fit all the types of what I was looking for. The father figure, the safety, the security, exactly. Exactly. Yes. We're, we're making There's, hand gestures to each other just so people yes, know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We are. So we, I, that cycle is repeating again. However, what's different in this relationship is that we've both grown each other so much spiritually. It's phenomenal. I've got a man. Uh, for people who know I'm a healer, I'm a healing practitioner. I'm studying to be a shaman. I'm an empath psychic. I do weird things. I see, see things. People talk to me. So he's entered my, my spiritual realm world and my spiritual guru world of my circle. 
And for a 63-year-old businessman to understand this world and start to practice some of it, it takes a lot for him to change. And he is. He's doing the work. Let me He's ask doing you. the work. So let me yeah. ask you, did he take accountability for his infidelity? No, and he still won't. But that's the eight-year-old. Oh. Yeah. That's the eight-year-old. Because we go back, his eight-year-old will not take it. I don't... The eight-year-old will not take accountability. He will skate around it. And I'm just going to say the cookie jar because I don't really, I don't want to disrespect him because I do, it just, I honor him for so much. Yeah. But the point being is God gives everybody a second chance and he's got two kids and he was, was emotionally unavailable for his daughter and his son left at the age of 19 and did the best thing that he could do, got an education, moved out West, never came back home. He's an amazing son. He loves his father. He's getting married. He loves his mother. He loves his sister. He is a beautiful soul. And my husband gets his chance to redo it again with my son. And he doesn't quite fit the emotional availability up until this year. So... Yeah, it's funny. And I'm and I'm still coaching him. You have to be a part of your daughter's life. You have to heal that relationship. There's a little girl in her that is still craving dad. Yeah. Take her up to be present for her. Guide her. Yeah. I, I have to give you enormous credit and kudos because the infidelity is just a, a deal breaker, non-negotiable with me, unless they take accountability for it. Uh, so this is what happened in my relationship. There was infidelity accepted. It doesn't matter how it was done. My audience knows what the story is. The fact that there was infidelity and denial, and I couldn't take that, and I, I had to walk away. You are an angel for being able to not only survive that, but are trying to help him with it and coach him with it. And that takes a lot of uh, inner strength. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's so um, I, I don't consider him a safe man. If that makes any sense to people, I would not consider him a safe man, meaning yeah. um, I don't feel safe. So my inner child, my inner children don't feel safe with him just because of all of that that's occurred in our relationship yeah. um there would have to be a lot of a, taking accountability and fixing it to and he's he's doing his he's he's trying he's doing it he's 63 i'm giving him a space um but as of right now you know i will love him unconditionally i will support his journey and uh i, I wish him all the best abundance, love, success that he deserves. He deserves, you know, as I deserve as you deserve. Yeah. There's agree. been a lot of, yeah, yeah. A lot of forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard, but once you can get to that point, oh, it feels amazing. It feels amazing to be able to look at them and just, man, just understand that there's a reason behind all that. And that's the way that they're going to operate. Uh, Don't take uh, it personally. 
I, I, I believe that. I just don't know how to live that. Um, I, I, my ex went through that little girl thing where she, at eight years old, she was abandoned by her father and her mother abused her and emotionally and, and in all sorts of ways. So I know where, where that came from. And I know as an adult, she's seeking attention from other men because she didn't have it. I know all of that because I have not only done the research, but I'm, I'm familiar with that concept that you just spoke of. But I, that's why I give you kudos because I don't see that I can forgive her for that. Um, tell us a little bit about, so you're, so today you are, I heard you say an empath and that intrigues me because uh, I read tarot cards. So I'm a little bit, it not, I, I'm not up to your level, but um, I've, I've dived into that world um, of intuition. I have a very good intuition. How, so tell us, is this part of your practice? Um, what um, are you doing today with you? I've been like that since I was little. I was born with this. Uh, I've been seeing since I was little. I didn't fully step into this gift and power until my, my early forties. I don't want to say I use this in my practice, but if I feel I have a client that is a little stuck, I may nudge them a little bit and just help them along the way. I think this gift is used more or less for healing purposes. Okay. You know, I, I, I was a witch in a previous life. If we want to go past life regression, we can talk about that for hours. I've probably been burned at the stake. I, I'm just I, I, like that. Yeah. I believe that I, I have a past life too. And I, I have a whole story behind that too. I, I have yeah. I have dreams of it. So uh, I know I was. There you so. go. There you go. So, so you're a visionary. Yes. I work in my dreams. I will mm -hmm. literally work in my dreams and it's a gift and I will use it to help heal people. Uh, whether it's a conversation, just like we had before, we went mm -hmm. on live, just conversation. I'll listen, I'll pull from, I'll pull, the, and they'll send positive, you know? Just so, so the audience knows, before we started recording, uh, Felicity and I were talking and she stopped and she said something very um, beautiful to me about my heart and... Um, um, which I, I wasn't ready for. I didn't see that coming. And that was beautiful. It was very beautiful. So, um, so, all right. So you don't use this. It's just, it's a wonderful gift. And I, I, I wish I was able to fine tune it and, and dive into, because I believe that I was in the civil war. Um, I have dreams of the civil war all the time. So I was a soldier. In the the civil war. Yeah. You have confirmation. I've and, got the chills. <laughs> and I, I have had so many times when I've sensed, th this is almost why I know what my ex, what was going on before the actual red flags and before the actual physical evidence, I knew something was what she was doing. And I knew exactly what she was doing even before any of the evidence there. And then of course, once all the evidence and the, and the physical stuff and then the private eye found out everything. It, it I, So I, I have that. I just don't know how to channel it. So, uh, and I'm not looking to do that. I'm, I'm right now just trying to get, put one foot in front of the other and, and, and at, You're doing at, a good job. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying. And I, and I, yeah. and I know God has given me a second chance and I know I'm just not 
I think patience is is the key word. I need to mm -hmm. be patient. And I'm struggling with this being single and not knowing what's in future, what God has in store for me. And, and as I've told many of my guests and people, I have a sign in my mirror that says, uh, God says, take to the take the day off. I've got this. And underneath that, it says, I also have plans for you, just not right now. You, I'm not going to tell you what they are right now. And, and I, just, I have to, one day at a time, one step at a time, wait and, and turn my will over and, and hopefully something good will happen. Okay, Felicity, tell us, so, so, so you're here also, this is a great conversation, but tell us about your practice. So what are you doing today? So I, for example, I, I do the work. I help my clients do the work. And that is we're going to start in the inside and then we're going to work on the outside. We're going to connect to some sort of spirituality and then we're going to do the work because in order to attract a mate, right? We want a partner. We, we just, you were just discussing this. You, you're, you, ha you have to level up. So maybe that's what God's doing. He's like, we're going to put you through a little bit of work here. You need to get to the next level. Or we're only going to repeat um, that pattern again and attract. We're going to keep attracting, yes, where we are energet energetically. So I talk a lot about that. I've got one client. She's 60, uh, very successful. She's got three successful businesses. She's been married three times, divorced three times. And she keeps just picking the just oh my god the men she picks and i mm. finally had to sit down and tell her listen to me you have two archetypes okay you have the queen bee that is a very successful woman that's got her own house that's got her stuff together financially running beautiful businesses and then something happened to you around the age of 17 because she's ruling your world right now and she looked at me and she goes, oh my God, that's when my mom kicked me out of the house. Wow. I said, that's the one that's been picking the men. That's the one that wants to have fun. That's the one that needs to put her in the corner and have the queen bee pick. Now, what does the queen bee want? She wants loyalty. She wants strength. She wants courage. She wants a masculine man that can walk into her life. Yes. But if you have the 17-year-old, she's looking for fun. She's looking for the next hot thing. Mm. And that's exactly. So we learn to nurture those parts. You can nurture her in, in, in fun ways, pull her out in fun ways. But don't let her be the one, one picking the partner because no. you're just going to continue going down the wrong road. Put her to the side. So this is what we do. And that's part of my, my mentorship program, kind of rebuilding and I write and I looking at speaking and um, just getting my story out there to anybody and anyone. And I've got this brand, it's She Is You. It's all built from the book, from my story. I didn't have a community to turn to, Andrew, when I was doing this alone with my alcoholic husband or mm -hmm. ex-husband and then going through the work. I. I didn't. So I built this community, this brand, She Is You. It's a community for midlife women that are seeking healing and transformation, but in a community environment. So in a togetherness and we're our sisterhood. We are a safe space with safe women that we can hold space and heal together. 
And everybody's journey is going to be different, but we're going to embrace the diversity of that. And we're going to embrace the adversity and celebrate the wins of one another and hold space for the ones that are struggling. We bring value to one another. And I'm looking to grow that and have it just be big. And I think it would be awesome. I'd also like to turn She Is You into an actual physical magazine. I mean, that's my end goal. Yeah. So okay. that's She Is You. Yeah, mag.com. How about a movie? <laughs> uh, you know, whatever I have to do to make sure that that little boy. Yeah is taken care of. Yeah. And the way I write the book, I asked for a hundred million men to show up for him because he hasn't had one quality man yeah, show up. In his life. Yeah. Yeah. And I and that's the promise I made to God. And I and that's why I wrote the book, really, to be honest with you, is to get it out there. But I want I want him to have that quality masculine man to show up for him. And, and if it's a hundred million, it's a hundred million. And I'm not, and it's not about me. It's about him, you know? It's how, how old is he now? He's 15. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough time for young men in today's yeah. society. Very I difficult. Tell you, there's, yeah. There was a point about six months ago, you know, he came home aggravated and, you know, his journey's in the book and he's had a hard life. And, um, we start talking it out and he's screaming at me and I'm just listening and I'm just listening. And, and then he gets to the bottom of it. I just want a dad. Wow. Why can't I have a dad? And I'm just like, Oh, the wound. And I'm like, Oh, that wound, that father wound, that mother wound. And I'm like, Oh my God. Doug. Or Evan. I'm like, just, I had to change names in the book, but I'm like, just trust me. Just trust the process. God will bless us with just fruitfulness. Just trust the process. As you, again, I, I'm listening. Uh, my three, I have three boys. Uh, they're all adult men now. But when they were growing up, I was an alcoholic. And um, I was chasing women and drugs and alcohol. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um i was not the father that was there for them either um i even tell this story in my qualification at my 12 step my oldest when he graduated my ex-wife called me and said are you coming to the graduation and i said what college is he graduating from i i didn't even know you know mm -hmm. um and i showed up for it but um uh, anyway, that's all part of my alcoholism story. So I get that. I know what it's from the other perspective. Today, I have a relationship with my three boys, um, but it wasn't easy to rebuild that. They they didn't trust me for a long time to to be a father. They so and now I have two grandchildren, which is just like oh, enjoy <laughs> it. Just so yeah, that's that's a, that's a blessing. Enjoy it. There's yeah. your second chance. I, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Felicity, is there anything um, I, I'm let's, let's say there, I, I want to ask you a question. Uh, uh, we'll wrap this up. So if I am a woman in a marriage or a relationship and I don't know what to do 
it's abusive, it's emotionally abusive or physically, whatever. What what does she and maybe I should make this gender neutral. If you're in an abusive relationship, what how do you begin to get out? It's it all stems from us, our self-worth. Are you worthy enough to make the change? Do you deserve better? For a long time I didn't think I did until I finally started doing the work. So they have to be ready. Are you ready? That's what I would say. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you think you deserve more? Are you worthy of more? Are you worthy of working? Are you ready to make strategic decisions? Are you ready to walk a long, hard, dark path? How strong are you? Are you willing to sacrifice everything? I sacrificed everything, including my family. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Yeah. And if they are, up on board, baby. I am right there, right by your side. I am your cheerleader. I am your supporter. I will help you figure it out. This is what I do. And it's an unconventional form of coaching, but I'm telling you, the results are beautiful. So they should, if they're ready, they should make a call. Contact me. Okay. Yeah, sheisumag.com. Email me. Yeah. All the information's on there. Join the membership. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram. Felicity Nicole. I think it's Felicity uh, underscore Nicole. Um, TikTok is Midlife Healing Journey. TikTok is awesome. Okay. Um, I yeah. will put, I'm, I'm going to put all of this information in the show notes. I, um, I, each interview that I do is just better than the last one. It's outstanding uh, stories and perseverance and journeys that just blow me away with how the human spirit can actually survive some of the trauma that we go through and still come out the other end in one piece. And sometimes more than that, we've, we, we thrive Mm -hmm. and we've learned from the mistakes that we made or the mistakes other people made. And, uh, uh, if you could just persevere through the the dark times, you will come, and as you said, God will give you that second chance. Felicity, yes. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I'm I'm just amazed at your story and and your journey and where you are today. Um, you have a very beautiful smile, and I know that's coming from your heart. And I I wish you the best of luck. Um, and maybe we'll have you back someday. Yeah, I would yeah. love to. Can I leave oh. your audience with just one last Absolutely, word? please. Remember, just remember, you don't have to be the person you were groomed into being. You can be whoever you are meant to be and live the life that you were meant to be. Yes. Thank you. We that. are so groomed. We are so groomed throughout society, our families, you can lead the life that you are meant to lead. So, yes. Thank you. Everybody, this is Felicity Nicole. Her new book is Pieces of Me. Um, where can they find the book? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all online, Target. All just right. Seriously, Good. yes. Okay. Yes. 
Asran, yes. I, I always ask this of an author. Do you know if they're going to put it in audio, on, on audio book? Um, I think that will be the goal. I've been asked. I don't think it'll be me reading it because usually it's just not. Have... Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. these are you hire a narrator, but I, yeah. I don't. I can't read books. I have ADHD, but I listen all to many, many books, and um, so I will. I will listen to your book after once it's out on audio. I will make sure somebody records it specifically yeah. for you. So thank you get you. it sooner. <laughs> okay, yes. thank you. So that's my gift to you. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. This has been a blast. Thank you. Yes, sir. Felicity, thank you so much for joining us. Once again, I want to thank Felicity Nicole. What a fantastic story. Fantastic, amazing woman. I am so lucky I keep finding these guests with amazing stories and journeys. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, please look down below on your app and see if there's a review section. Please leave me a review. Five stars would be nice, but whatever you think I deserve. And leave a little blurb about what you like about the show. And if you don't like something, please let me know. But either way, please leave a review. It's the only thing I ask of you. Once again, thank you for joining me. Anonymous Andrew, life and the choices we make. And if you're out there making a choice, please, please choose wisely.